Cassie here. Before I start the show, I just wanted to warn everyone that the audio is a little off. Not that it's too high or too low, but it's just a little off. I had some problems with my microphone during both of the recordings, so I just wanted to give you a heads up of why either my guest or myself become very low for some reason. So on with the show. Welcome to Once I Watched a Disney, a new series of Disflicks and Tidbits, where I bring on a guest and talk about a Disney movie from our past and try to remember all the little things about it. Then rewatch it to see if the Disney movie has stood the test of time. A Disflicks and Tidbits nostalgia experiment, if you will. I, of course, am Cassie, and since it's Once I Watched a Disney, we have a new guest this week. It is producer Matt from Disneyto's Podcast. Hey, Matt. Hey, thank you for having me. So is it producer Matt or just Matt? Yeah, I mean, you can just call me Matt. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> producer Matt on Disneydos is just so I know my place. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a question for you, actually. I know you're about to interview me, but I I know the reasoning for why I started Disneydo, but I kind of want to know why you started your show first. This is not the only podcast I'm on, actually. I'm, I, I'm on Disney at a Distance, which is like a group podcast. There's like eight nine of us now okay. <laughs> uh sometimes it gets a little crazy when we get on together um i just loved it so much but since there was so many people talking i kind of wanted to do a movie type of podcast instead because we we talked about the parks on that one yeah i was just like i really want to do movies and i considered a youtube channel but I'm not very good at editing, so I'm like, podcast it is. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. I just, I was I was curious, so that's good to know. Oh, well, thank you for asking. <laughs> and thank you for joining me here um, and dealing with my weird schedule that I have going on. <laughs> no biggie, no biggie at all. So do you want to introduce yourself a little more sure, for sure. my uh, listeners? Uh, so I am uh, producer Matt on the Disneyto podcast, which my friends Brooke and Andrew are the hosts of. Uh, and then I'm the host of the Horror Movie Night podcast, which is a uh, comedy podcast about bad horror movies. Um, obviously, we're going to focus more on Disneyto for this one. Um, so Disneyto started as uh, a pipe dream about two years ago for me. Um, I loved doing the Horror Movie Night show, but I also really, really loved Disney. And... <laughs> Uh, I mean, full transparency is while I was doing the horror movie night podcast, I was getting a lot of free horror movie Blu-rays to review Mm -hmm. on the show. I was like, maybe if I do a Disney show, I can get to Disney for free one day. So that was kind of, (laughs) (laughs) there was a little bit of like, hey, maybe this will work out for me. Um, But I had the, the original way that I envisioned the show was actually that I had two friends who had never met each other, who were both huge, huge Disney fans. But their schedules were impossible. So I had given up the dream of having a Disney podcast. And then I work with Brooke and Andrew. Uh, We all work at the same job. And one day we were all hanging out and they were like geeking out over Disney stuff. And I was like, oh my God, they would be so good on a podcast. So I kind of approached them and was like, hey, you know, remember how I talked about how I wanted to do that Disney podcast and it never worked out? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, How'd you guys feel about being the hosts? Um, <laughs> and the drinking wine thing came pretty much in the first episode. That was never the plan of the show, but it was genuinely just, 
they had never done anything like it before. And they were so nervous that they drank some wine to relax their nerves. And then it just became an aspect of the show was, you know, Disney fans getting drunk and talking Disney. So the show is is ever evolving. And, you know, we're still kind of in an evolution right now at this time. We're about to drop probably the first episode of what I think Disneyto will always be, which is, a little bit more just Brooke and Andrew being themselves and just trying to find a way to like gently tie Disney into it. So we're going to do a debate episode. Um, probably another, we did one episode recently where we played a board game. We're probably going to try to play a couple other board games, but kind of more at the start, we were really trying to force it to be like, Hey, here's some like research. It's going to be like uh, one of my favorite shows is geek history lesson. It was going to be like a Disney version of geek history lesson. But um, I kind of like what we became, what we became instead. So I'm, I'm kind of more, I have more fun doing this version where it's just three friends hanging out, making each other laugh than like trying to educate each other on things. Yeah. And, and it definitely shows, uh, I, I actually found your podcast when I was traveling across country because <laughs> podcasts are wonderful to listen to when you're traveling. And I just found yours randomly. And the first episode I watched was like, the scariest moments, I think. Something like that. We did a Halloween yeah. episode of the scariest Disney. That moment. one. Yeah. And um, it was me and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what is this again? I'm like, well, they're drinking. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is that I'm straight edge. I've been straight edge my whole life. So I'm like the designated d- driver of the podcast. So... <laughs> <laughs> I definitely get a kick out of watching your guys' Insta, Insta stories. <laughs> Dude, there, when they were in Chicago, that was something special. That, and that's saved. If you go on our Instagram page, uh, which is just at Disney to Podcast, you can watch. Uh, Brooke and Andrew were basically stuck in the Chicago airport for five hours and played a five-hour-long drinking game that was basically, if someone's hot, if you think someone's hot, you point them out to the other one. And if they agree that they're hot, then you both take a drink. But if they disagree, then only the person who incorrectly declared them as hot took a drink. <laughs> and man, like <laughs> there's, there's points towards the end of that story where you're like, this is the drunkest I think I've ever seen a human being get. <laughs> so definitely worth checking out. We'll see. There should be more stuff. I'm going to Disney in may with my family oh, and i'll nice. probably i'll probably hop onto instagram a few times while i'm doing that i might even not sure uh i might try to do this weird thing where after each day at the park i'll sit down with a different family member and ask them to recount what happened that day so that you get like you get to meet all of producer matt's family while also hearing about our trip but also hearing what they pinpoint as like the highlights of each okay. day so It could be interesting. I might just record it and see how it turns out. And if it's good, it'll become an episode. And if it's bad, it'll become a bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds interesting. I'm in. (laughs) Uh, So Disneydopodcast.com, if you're interested in listening, it is. I will warn, we're one of the few Disney podcasts I know of that is very much an explicit warning on the show. So Mm -hmm. uh, we carry that explicit warning with pride, but I'm trying to be respectful. (laughs) 
and hold back for uh, the Dizflix podcast. <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I will definitely leave all your links in the show notes with with the episode. So awesome. before we get into the movie, I'm going to give you some Disney questionnaires so the listeners know like what you like about Disney. Okay. So the first one okay. is... How so did this you... is trivia. I was like real yes. scared. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not trivia. Hopefully you know these. Um, how did you first get into Disney? Uh, I mean, that was just part of my childhood. Yeah, like I have, I couldn't tell you what the first Disney movie was that I watched, but I know, I know for a fact that I saw Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin in theaters. And I have very vivid memories of my old living room watching um, Little Mermaid and Rescuers Down Under. Like, mm-hmm. I, I definitely remember the first time I watched both of those movies. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've loved animation my whole life. Uh, Disney always was kind of that cool comfort blanket for me. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't have a, I, it's pretty much as, as long as I've been cognizant of my existence, uh, it's involved Disney somehow, so... Nice. I think that's a running theme with all my guests. (laughs) Do you have a favorite Disney movie or, well, actually it can be from any franchise. It doesn't have to be the animated ones. So uh, so I have two answers. I always say my favorite animated is Little Mermaid. My favorite live action is Mary Poppins. But if I had to pick uh, just one, Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. Classic. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of emotional attachment that I have with Mary Poppins as Mm -hmm. well. So uh, that, I mean, it's just, and, and the thing is, I would argue also that both of those movies are probably arguably the two best soundtracks that Disney's ever put out. And I'm a big musical fan. So like that ties into it a lot as well, is that I just think mm. like Mary Poppins is the Sherman Brothers at their peak and Little Mermaid is um, that that great duo of uh, Alan Menken, Alan Menken and, and Ashman. Um, yeah. just, and you know, I, as a, when I was a kid, I loved little shop of horrors. I had no clue that it was the same people until I was probably in like high school, but that makes sense now too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite Disney character or a group of characters? I know this one's hard. <sighs> um, trying to think. So I go to Disney pretty often. Uh, so here's a question. This is going to be a weird question, but hear me out. Mm-hmm. Do we count the Muppets? Oh, yeah. Okay, then it's Kermit the Frog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, as much as I love Disney, and this is a thing that they pick on me a lot on the show, I actually would rank the Muppets above all of Disney. I, oh, love, wow. I love the Muppets. Jim Henson has been my hero my entire life. I could just do essays, uh, and I have in college written essays on the importance of Jim Henson and the importance of like what the Muppets did for comedy. So yeah, Kermit. I identify with Kermit, and then maybe a little bit of Great Gonzo in the in the corner too. Oh yeah, Gonzo. Gonzo's <laughs> <laughs> the best. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a. I, I like to consider myself a loving combination of those two characters. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite villain at all? Oh, Ursula. Period. Ursula. We, I yeah. think we've talked about this on Disneyto too, but yeah, Ursula. She's got the best villain song. She's just a she's just a badass. And someone emailed us recently with this topic, and I don't know. I'm excited for us to talk about it, but the question was just, 
Could you do an episode explaining how Ursula is a misunderstood businesswoman who has a legally binding contract with Ariel? <laughs> and I was like, he's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just funny that you brought that up. But yeah, Ursula is probably not really the villain. <laughs> she got yeah. kicked out of the kingdom. I mean. Yeah. And I think I think we'll just make it a theme of like, because I know Brooke still really wants to defend her Cruella DeVille theory. So like maybe it'll just be an episode on like villains who aren't really villains or something. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll find, we'll find something to do with that question. Cause I do love that question. Uh, so the next one I have is, is there a favorite kind of Disney movie that you like? Like it could be like just the superhero movies, the princess movies, the musicals, which you've it's already the, mentioned that. Yeah. It's the musicals. Um, because even like this year, I saw pretty much, I, yeah, no, I did not miss a Disney film this year. I even sat through Wrinkle of Time. As much as I loved Ralph Breaks the Internet and as much as I love Christopher Robin, Mary Poppins wins because it was a musical. And, oh. it, and it filled me with all of the nostalgia for like the big classic musical of the, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. So, yeah, I mean, when Disney's doing a film and they're using especially when they're using a writing team from Broadway or with a Broadway background to create the music, uh, it doesn't get better. It yeah. does not get better than that. So I have a follow-up question to that. Did, did you watch the Nutcracker one? I bought the Nutcracker one when it came out on DVD as well. I actually really liked the Nutcracker oh, really? in the Four Realms. I didn't love it. Like I totally get I totally get why people might not like that movie because it's not well paced. It feels like a Tim Burton movie without any of the things that make a Tim Burton movie enjoyable. But uh, the key for me is if there's like dead parents, I'm kind of in. Like, have you seen like the commercials for that Wonder Pop? Like, yes. I had no interest in that movie until the newest trailer where it implies that her mom is dead. And that's like why she threw out the plans. And I was like, Oh, oh now I'm very interested. <laughs> like, it took a like, deep turn. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, I, I think it's just for me. Um, my grandfather was like my hero and he died when I was in 10th grade. And there's always been this part of me that's like chasing the desire to fulfill his legacy so that always speaks to me in a movie. So it's like the the idea of with the Nutcracker in the Four Realms that her mother's dead and she just wants to like continue what her mom meant, like to be what her mom meant to her throughout her life. Like mm -hmm. I connected to that in a very real way. So like there was, mo it's it's mostly trash, but it's trash that I'll probably watch every uh, Christmas. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I also like the Grinch. I know a lot of people didn't like the new Grinch movie. I know it's not really? like Disney, but I thought that that was fun too. So I don't know. I I like most things. I'm easy to please. <laughs> <laughs> well, and finally, is there a movie you're looking forward to most of all in 2019? And it doesn't really? have to be Disney. The, okay, I was gonna say the 2019 lineup in general this year is pretty amazing. Um, I was really looking forward to Dumbo, but like the tr the newer trailers have kind of made me like, eh. um, I think Lion King is going to be like life changing. So I oh, think yeah. that I think Lion King might be the one I'm I'm genuinely most excited about. I don't think like if there's anything later on this year. Oh, you know what? So as I said, I did the horror podcast stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was afraid to watch horror movies as as a child, but I would read the scary stories to tell in the dark books all oh. the time. And I saw those teasers at the Super Bowl of like the film that they're making. I'm like that. I think that's my most excited and I'm prepared to be like super disappointed by it, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, really isn't it pumped for that. Guillermo de Toro? Uh, yeah, I mean, he name. never, I, he never fails. My issue is as much as I love horror movies and I love anthology films, anthology films in general are just so hard to sustain because you're telling so many stories in yeah. such a short period of time. So I'm just nervous that like, even with his visual flair, those stories are also short, so I feel like it's going to be like every five minutes it's a different story, uh, and I just am wary that there's going to be like fatigue from sitting through it. You know what I mean? Like, well, I looked more into it, and they kind of put like a cabin in the woods twist to it. Oh well, don't yeah. tell me what's happening because I want to be surprised. But okay. okay, if they're tying it to like one, if they're trying to like make it one consistent narrative that just makes kind of references to everything, then I'm totally fine. I thought that was just going to be like. Here's this short. Here's this short. Here's this short. And I was like, man, if it's like two to three minute shorts for 90 minutes, that's going to become really stressful after a while. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> it's just like nods to them, it, but it's okay. cohesive too. Because I was afraid it would be like, I'm not sure if any of your listeners have ever seen the ABCs of death anthologies, but those things are are marathon run because they do 26 short films for each letter in the alphabet. And the film usually runs like, two and a half hours long and especially when most of them aren't that good you're just like this is a chore like mm. this is i i've never been able to finish them because it's just like okay been an hour i'm on the letter h <laughs> we like move it along <laughs> like, oh i get you so that was it for your uh disney questionnaire okay, okay. now to yes you did <laughs> And, and now I'm just going to remind everyone what this series is about. It's divided into two parts, but this will be one big part for everyone. Um, the first part will be Matt and I trying to remember the movie strictly based on memory from the last time or the, the time or times we watched it. And we will answer questions about, about the film, how it made us feel, or any feelings that rise up when we think about it. And then the second part is after we watch the movie, on our own time, of course, and then come back and discuss present day, how it made us feel, and if time or nostalgia has a factor in how we remember the certain film. To get onto the movie, we both chose together the Oliver and Company movie. <laughs> yeah, which, so here's the funny story with this. You sent me the list of movies, and... 2018, I made a personal goal for myself, feeling that my Disney collection was lacking, that I was going to buy every Disney animated film on DVD. And I succeeded. In one year, I bought all of them. Um, oh, wow. But as I bought them, I would watch them because some of them I'd never seen before. So Oliver and Company was one of the only ones that I had owned prior to last year. So when you sent me that list, I'm like, Yep, solid, 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 solid. So choosing a movie was real easy because there was only about three movies on that list that I hadn't watched in the last year. So I'm excited because I used to love this movie. I did too. And I didn't even know it was a Disney movie back then. <laughs> no, I used to watch it. I remember I would wake up Saturday mornings and I would watch it and I would, um, my, my next door neighbor was a really talented artist and he drew me a drawing of uh, the the Chihuahua that Cheech from Cheech and Chong voices mm -hmm. 
can't remember his name. I'll find that out later on this week when I watch it. <laughs> um, but he had this big drawing and I wanted to learn how to draw it. So I would watch it every Saturday in the morning and I would have a piece of paper on top of his drawing and I would just practice tracing over top of his drawing. Still can't draw this dog. I, oh. I must have traced this drawing <laughs> over a hundred times. I have no artistic abilities is what I learned <laughs> from this. But yeah, I used to, I, I have the soundtrack. I had the soundtrack, I guess. I don't have a cassette player, but I had it on cassette because I loved the Huey Lewis song that opens it, Once Upon a Time in New York City. Mm. But I only remember that and the Why Should I Worry song that was like unavoidable on Disney sing-along tapes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I had that one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think that there's a song where the little girl's sitting at the piano that she sings. Like, I think I kind of have the melody for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, da 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 Like, it's something like that. And I know Bette Midler has a song because, like, why would you have Bette Midler in the movie if she's not going to have yeah. a song? But I could, like, gun to my head, I couldn't tell you a single note of what that song is. <laughs> and I refuse to believe there's only four songs in the movie, so I'm sure there's plenty of other songs that I'm forgetting as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, I just did uh, another episode with um, Dumbo. And God, I didn't watch that movie since I was like six or seven. And I didn't realize the whole thing was a musical. I just yeah. thought it was the Pink Elephant song. And that's. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a decent amount of songs in Dumbo, actually. Yeah. Which is impressive because that movie's super short. It's yeah. like 63 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a, it's a short one. But I like Dumbo, actually, a lot. It, the Pink Elephant scene is terrifying. Um, yeah. So, wait, is, so I might be making this up, but. Is the voice of Oliver, I feel like it's a Lawrence brother, right? You know, I couldn't tell you. I think it's a Lawrence brother. I'm like trying to pull, I went out of my way to look at nothing about this. (laughs) Um, I know that it's like a weird retelling of Oliver Twist. Mm -hmm. I remember that Dom DeLuise is the voice of like the homeless guy with the heart of gold. Like, he's set up to be the bad guy, but he's not such a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, His name's on the tip of my tongue. (laughs) It starts with an F. I want to say, like, but I keep thinking Fezwig, which is, like, the old, the, like, who Scrooge worked for in in Christmas Carol. It's not Fezwig, but it's something like that. Um, I keep thinking of, I just realized that I keep, confusing aspects of this movie with all dogs go to heaven (laughs) (laughs) but it's understandable because there's a lot of movies that coincide with disney that are the same but yeah like it's definitely got aspects of of like uh arista like i feel like it's like a weird blend of oliver twist the aristocats and all dogs go to heaven like i feel like they're all in there i'm willing to bet that when i actually watch the movie and then can do research that this was almost like a direct response to all those go to heaven. Yeah, right? probably. Or or reverse. You know what I mean? Like, but I feel like they had to have come out within like the same calendar year. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> so I, I didn't look either, but the, <laughs> this is the only knowledge that I looked up because I couldn't remember it for the life of me. So Oliver and Company was released on November 18th, 1988. Okay. It's Disney's 27th animated film, and it has a runtime of 73 minutes. So this one's pretty short, too. That's pretty short. 
You know what's crazy to me, though? You say this was their 27th film? Mm-hmm. In 1988? Animated film, yeah. There's the Dark Ages. They were yeah. just like... It's it's weird to think that, like, because what was Snow White? Snow White was, like, 23? Hmm? Snow White was, like, 1923, right? Yes. Or 30-something. 30, 30 or 32, maybe? maybe I can yeah. be dyslexic sometimes. But, yeah, so, like, 1932... To 1988 there was only 25 other animated films between those two films like that seems crazy to me when yeah. i went to like buy all the videos to find out that they only had at this point in time right now they're only at like 27 or 20 or sorry 67 or 68 animated films like still blew my mind because i felt like they had to have been in the hundreds by now yeah it, it was weird as soon as like that Oliver and Company was like right before the Renaissance where Little Mermaid started off. Oh, and yeah. The Rescuers was before Oliver or the Rescuers Down Under was before Oliver and Company, I believe. No, no. Um, it was the Renaissance. So it was, it was the, it was the, there was a point with Rescuers Down Under where there was a fear that the Renaissance was a, was a fraud. Um, cause I remember that from, uh, Waking Sleeping Beauty. There's a great documentary called Waking Sleeping Beauty all about the Disney renaissance of the late 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was like they had Little Mermaid and it was this huge hit and they were really excited for Rescuers Down Under and it completely plummeted and bombed real bad. Like they pulled it within like a week, but they knew that they had Aladdin or Beauty and the Beast on like the sidelines. So they were like, don't worry about it. We're just going to push this out next. So Down Under must have been 90, right? Yeah, 90 or 91, something like that. But I also know that Down Under is the reason why most of the sequels were direct-to-video throughout the 90s, was because that did so badly that that's why like Return of Jafar and Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, and all of that was just straight-to-DVD, or straight-to-VHS at that time releases, Mm -hmm. was because they were not going to finance another sequel in theaters. Oh, okay. And then we've never read the Ralph. <laughs> I was gonna say that was kind of the case until Pixar. I feel like Pixar was really when like they started doing theatric sequel releases again. Oh yeah, that's right. Like I'm trying to think if there was anything before that, and I don't think there was. No. It was it was just Wreck It Ralph broke that. Yeah. Um, well, no, 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 no. That's not true. Well, I mean, broke theatrical releases. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. For, 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 I was like, for I was sequels. thinking Pixar. Uh, yeah, because yeah. I'm like. Yeah, because you had like Toy Story 2. Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph is, I, I'd have to double check and research it. But yeah, I think Wreck-It Ralph is the first theatrically released sequel since Rescuers Down Under for Disney. Yeah. That's crazy. Insane, <laughs> <laughs> to say out loud. Wow. <laughs> that's what, that's another 20, that's almost a 20 year, that's over a 20 year gap. 29, 29 if it's 90. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we're not talking about Rescuers Down Under, so I'm going to. Oh yeah, well, let's go back to Oliver. <laughs> well, I also just want to can can let myself know what year that came out. But yeah, back to uh, back to Rescuers, back back to Oliver and Company. All right, so I do have a set of questions that um, we both can answer. We were correct. okay. Cool. <laughs> so we we kind of started um, on this. Do you recall the first or last time you watched Oliver and Company? so if i'm being honest it probably was when i bought the dvd which was whenever it was released for an anniversary so probably 
I want to say like 2009, maybe. If this was 80, so maybe 2008? Yeah, I think it was like 2008. And I think I watched it and was like, ooh, that didn't hold up well. And <laughs> I was like afraid to watch it since because, oh, I just remembered something about this movie. Billy Joel is no voice actor. <laughs> it's no. one of the things I remember walking away from. I was like, man, he has a great singing voice, but he cannot voice act to save his life. Um, so let's see if that changes this time around. But yeah. yeah, no, I watched it. I remember I was I was living, I was crashing at my I was living at my grandparents' house to help her out because she lived near my college and I bought it and watched it in her basement and was like, oof. And I haven't Ooh. watched it since. <laughs> <laughs> so this this will be interesting because this was also not one that many people were like, hey, do you have Oliver and company? Like, yeah. When, like, so I think I have you beat. The last time I watched this, I was 16. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah, that's a And I had it in the in the bubble VHS. <laughs> yeah, I definitely had that. I had the clamshell. The clamshell, VHS yeah. box forever. Yeah, this this movie, I hope this movie is fun. I I like I said I still remember and I still would argue this day that uh once upon a time in new york city is still one of my favorite disney songs that no one really talks about i just think it's a very pretty song so mm-hmm. i know that i'm going to enjoy that much but that's also the first three minutes of the movie <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> there's another 70 minutes left to go after that part so, <laughs> so to make off. to make you really think do you remember the plot of the story if I do remember any of it, it's because I vaguely remember the book Oliver Twist. But I believe um, that Oliver is a little tiny kitten. He's in a box and all of his other kitten brothers and sisters get adopted except for him. So he ends up on the street and that's where he meets Dodger, who is Billy Joel's character. And he works for Dom DeLuise's character, whatever his name is. And he... Basically, they go out and steal things for Dom DeLuise. Uh, but then one day while trying to rob, I think they're trying to rob a rich family. Oliver gets left behind and becomes this like rich little girl's kitty cat. And they keep trying to get him to leave. But he's like, no, it's great here. And then they kind of feel abandoned, I want to say. And then there's also like, Dom DeLuise has like a mob boss that's trying to kill him or something and they're trying to help save Dom DeLuise's character. I know it's fairly convoluted (laughs) but I think that that's about it and I think that a big chunk of that might be because I tried to read, I tried and did not complete so that's why the second half is hazy (laughs) but I tried to read Oliver Twist in the last year or two and I remember being like that character's name's Dodger. I think that that was the name of the dog and Oliver like Kind of just being like, wow, they didn't even like change the names that much when they did the the uh, the movie version. Oh wow, yeah, I I never watched Oliver Twist, so I yeah couldn't tell you much about this plot, but I do know the mob boss's name, and What's I don't know why this it's, sticks out in my memory. Sykes. It is Sykes. That's right, because I should have remembered that. That was one of the trivia questions from when we did Disneyo trivia, and I. <laughs> because I just finished editing our best of episode. Um, I also know that there's a, a dog named Rita who, who may or may not call someone toots. So 
We'll see. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> but uh, is is Rita um uh Bette Midler's character? No, 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 no. no, no. Rita's Rita is the like the the she's part of the gang. She's like, oh she's okay. Like, so she's like the, like the German shepherd with the the big hair. With the, yeah, with the bangs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the badass in the group. <laughs> yeah, I I only again only because of the Disney podcast do we even remember that her name is Rita because we had to look it up. Oh. <laughs> do any moments stand out or is it that um first three minutes? The first three minutes and the why sh- I, I have a feeling that I probably remember most of the why should I worry sequence. Because I definitely remember them like on top of the cars. I remember that he's got Dodger's got sunglasses on and a bunch of hot dogs like wrapped around his neck like a scarf waving in the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, at the very start, I said probably most of the stuff that I remember that sequence. I remember there's definitely there's definitively a scene where a little girl is playing a song on the piano with Oliver. And I think it's called Good Company. Hmm. But that's as far as I go. <laughs> <laughs> so I know why why should you worry? Because it was on that sing along tape and I watched that constantly. So that is like ingrained in my head. Um and then Bette Midler's dog character's song. So she does have I knew she had a song. I couldn't tell yeah. you. So what's, what's I the don't song know called? the name of the song. Um the only reason why I know this is because one of the Twitter accounts that I follow is into animation and they showed it and said that this was like peak 90s animation it, it was kind of weird but I was just watching it and there's like a lot of birds she's very she's a poodle yeah because I know it's like her it's basically like her having a diva song you yeah get, like Bette Miller just has a song about how she's a diva yeah but a dog and she's like getting ready and doing her hair with curls and she's a dog so it's like very obscure <laughs> watching <laughs> trying to watch that because she's just like her little paws are taking the things out and she's like doing a diva dance and she's like trashy or thrashing her hair out like a blowout it's just it's unnerving i guess you is the better said, word you almost said that she was trashy and that is also accurate yeah. <laughs> just to clarify yeah <laughs> Both are working descriptors. <laughs> exactly. And then she has like her fangs are more prominent than any other character in the movie. That stands out to me. Okay. Yeah, I think I might watch this tomorrow night. <laughs> so that just like dawned on me. I'm like, you know what? I'm hanging out with one of my friends who's like Disney obsessed like I am. I'm just gonna bring it over and be like, guess what we're watching tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Drop in for the next 73 minutes. It's time to visit Oliver and company. Last time I hung out with her, I made her watch a VHS tape of Mad About the Mouse. The, like, TV special with, like, Billy Joel singing When You Wish Upon a Star and the cars do zippity-doo-dah and Michael Bolton does A Dream That Is a Wish Your Heart Makes and Harry Connick Jr. does The Bare Necessities. It's a weird... It's on YouTube. Search simply mad about the mouse and the whole VHS tape has been uploaded onto onto YouTube. It's something. (laughs) (laughs) It is something. (laughs) Oh my gosh. 
we sort of named all the the characters. Uh, we got Sykes, um, Dodger, Rita, Oliver, and there's. I want to say, and I hope this doesn't end up being completely incorrect, and then I sound like a racist. But I think the Chihuahua's name is Tito. I don't know why, but no, I know I is. think that's right too. <laughs> I'll feel real bad if it's just like Charles. <laughs> I, I would put money. I would put at least a dollar on the line that his name is Tito in this. Okay, so we have <laughs> we have five characters released. That's pretty good. Um, and we know that Dom Delo. Well, we don't know, but we have a sneaking suspicion Dom Deloise's name starts with an F. Okay, so, so that's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you remember having a favorite when you used to watch this all the time? Ironically, the dog who I think might be named Tito was always my favorite, which is why I had that drawing of him. Mm. Um, but I also was obsessed with Chihuahuas as a kid, so I wanted a Chihuahua real bad. So I think that that like kind of helped me love that dog. It was like, <laughs> oh man, I want one of those. I'm gonna get a dog and name it. Insert his character's name here. But... <laughs> yeah, he like he he stands out just because like. He has Cheech's voice. I was gonna say that goes a long way. Cheech goes like a mile. The fact that Cheech didn't voice more cartoon characters is weird to me because he definitely has the voice for cartoon characters. Oh yeah, he did a lot though. I mean, he he keeps doing the the I don't know why in the car series he has Ramon. Yeah, I just think that like like mid eighties to like early nineties would have been the prime time for him to really cash in on that voice acting. Mm -hmm. That's true. He said he was doing like Quentin Tarantino movies. But <laughs> it's like good for him. There's probably yeah. more money in the Quentin Tarantino movies than a box office failure. Like Oliver and company. So. Exactly. But yeah, he definitely has one of those natural voices where you're like, Oh, that, I mean, of course. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like Sarah Silverman. Like, you hear Sarah Silverman's voice, and you're like, why did it take so long for Sarah Silverman to start doing cartoon voices? Because she sounds like a cartoon character naturally. Yeah. That is so true. <laughs> so I think my favorite was was Dodger, just because he looked cool. And um, as you said before, I think All Dogs Go to Heaven had a factor into it, even though they're not the same dog. It was yeah. just like a streetwise dog <laughs> that was like both, the main character. Both of them fall into the same category though, because I also think that Burt Reynolds is not a very good voice actor. Like when I rewatch All Dogs Go to Heaven, I'm like, man, this is all Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise is killing it as itchy. And oh, like, yeah. and Burt Reynolds feels like he's yawning through his lines of dialogue at <laughs> parts in that movie. It was always so off. I remember like the lips never matched the the um <laughs> That was the, the first movie I ever saw in theaters was All Those Go to Heaven. Oh really? Wow. I don't remember that. I just have parents that remind me on a regular basis. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My memory's not that good. I'm not like I distinctly remember at three seeing this movie. Just something that my parents were always like, you know, that was the first movie you saw. I was like, Yeah. I remember from last week when you informed me of that information too. <laughs> Uh, do you do you have a do you remember having a least favorite character? Probably Bette Midler's character. I could never deal with diva characters on anything. Like even like like I hated uh, Angelica on Rugrats. Mm -hmm. Like I just any any character that 
and it's still i guess today still i just can't deal with spoiled brat characters it's probably the only reason why i don't enjoy reality tv shows as much as most people is because so many of them are like spoiled brat characters Mm -hmm. um so yeah i would say probably bet Midler's character every time she popped up i'd be like oh this (laughs) this thing but But they did a good job i mean i love bet Midler. it's nothing against her it's just that that dog is such a diva yeah I'm going to have to agree with you on there. I think her, her character is probably my least favorite. Although she does have a song, so maybe it may change when I rewatch this. I just, I also remember that she kind of is the person who makes things go from bad to worse. Mm. Like, I feel like I remember that she's jealous of Oliver's attention. So, like, she actively tries to get him out of the house and it causes like way worse things to happen because of that. I think so like yeah, I anytime, that. That, anytime that someone does something selfishly and then it makes everyone else that uh, worse off because of it. Like that also kind of just like really gets into my moral compass. And I don't yeah. like the character. <laughs> I get that. Do you have a mood you feel whenever you think about this movie, even though I just now definitely nostalgic. You know, like there's, you can't watch a movie as often as I watched this as a kid and it not hold some strong nostalgic value for you. So yeah, for me, like I watch it and I, I'm sure that whether it like holds up or doesn't hold up, I'm going to remember pretty quickly watching this, lying on the floor with my friends drawing and my notepad and me trying to copy the, copy the artwork and all of that like that's going to come flooding back every single time that i watch this movie or even when i think about this movie hmm. i associate me laying on the floor drawing more than i associate the actual <laughs> movie i think the oliver and company so yeah it that has like a special meaning to you because of that that uh drawing tito or we yeah, assume I, it's tito i think i still have the the original drawing somewhere there's okay. no way i threw it out but i i could not tell you where but it, I, I don't. I genuinely don't believe I would ever throw that out. I'm sure that if I found it, I would be like, "I've got to keep this," and I would put it in some folder, and then the folder would end up in like a thousand different boxes. Oh, yeah. It, it's hard to put a mood on it on this movie for me because I haven't watched it in such a long time. I guess like fun is a word that I probably would use because of that. Why should you worry? sequence dodgers like basically telling oliver that the streets are fun you don't have to worry that life is gonna get you down and all that stuff and it's just the main song of the whole movie even even though there's probably better songs in it that it just sticks in my head i mean i said we'll see i mean most of those songs if it's a standout song it's a standout song for a reason you know i mean like it doesn't I think that Disney rarely is like, rarely does Disney miss what the star song is in their movie. <laughs> they wanted yeah. to capitalize on Billy Joel. That's what the yeah. point I mean, that's was. Like, because there's definitely a line. It's like, it's just the bebopulation. Like there's some, there's some real Billy Joel trying to sound hip lyrics inside. Why should I worry? So. Yeah. <laughs> I am actually, the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, I am excited to watch this tomorrow. 
Yeah, I really want to watch it because I'm so frustrated that I don't know much about it and I want to hear the songs all over again. Yeah, but you know what? It was between this and two other movies and I think that the results would have been the same on my lack of information on the other choices. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. I think I would have struggled if we did The Rescuers, but Rescuers Down Under, I know that one by heart. All I remember <laughs> about The Rescuers Down Under is I think John Candy voiced the character. <laughs> I think yeah. He voiced Wilbur. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's but that's because I loved the character of Wilbur, and it's the only reason why I liked that movie more than the original Rescuers. Was I was like, well, got John Candy. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> he was in a polka band. <laughs> Yeah, he has that going for him. Yeah, Kevin McAllister's <laughs> mom get to Kevin. <laughs> Do you think your future self will love it or hate it? Um, I think that there's a chance my future self will actually love it because my expectation is that I was gonna I was disappointed last time that I watched it. So I think my expectations are gonna be adequately low versus i think the last time i watched it, i was like oh my god this is like the best disney movie that no one ever talks about and like i was like so like this movie's the tops and then like watch i was like oh so i think that now i'm gonna be like oh yeah now that's the movie that really disappointed me and i'm actually gonna be like you know what that was more fun than i remembered it being last time hmm. that's my prediction or i could just be like yep nope just as just as mediocre as i remember it <laughs> <laughs> So since we've been talking, I think like I'm going to love it because my expectations are way too high. <laughs> so I might like actually hate it like you did when you last watched it. So who knows? I remember the animation's beautiful. I mean, it's very yeah. rare. Disney, I, I can like count on one hand the amount of movies where I'm like, eh, towards the animation, but this was like that peak, like late 80s into the early 90s before they started using CG just mm -hmm. pure 2d animation this is like pinnacle of that yeah what do you hope to get out of this experiment i hope to remember what the that miller song is <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a big hope um i don't know i i hope that like i actually walk away feeling more than just like a like a lost nostalgia for the movie, but like to walk away and be like, no, I'm hey, okay. Because that was the big thing. Like one of the big things that came out of when I did the, like, I want to buy every Disney animated film was how much stuff was like, Oh my God, I forgot how much I loved this. So, mm. cause I'm trying to think when I watched that, I was a cynical college student. So like, it probably didn't really fit in between Clerks and Donnie Darko. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like there may have been... There One may of have these things been, is not like the other. Yeah, like, there may have been, like, a little bit of, like, I was in a very different what-is-good headspace at that time that uh, I think I'm way more in touch with my child, like, yay, like, to watch it this time. So I'm just going to be like, it's colors! <laughs> yeah i um as I, I tell most of my guests in, in all of these episodes my, my experiment is basically to rewatch these films that, that's my main goal is to rewatch these films with another person to see if the nostalgia of it all of what we remember or don't remember changes when we rewatch it as an adult so that 
that's my main goal anyway. And well, uh, we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out in a couple of days. The people listening will find out in a couple of seconds. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, uh, if you had to rate this movie on memory alone, what later, letter grade would you give it? Probably like a B minus. Like, I didn't. I didn't walk away from it thinking like, oh, that was trash. I just remember thinking that in my head, this was like that secret A plus movie that no one was talking about. And then being like, no, this is a pretty average, pretty average movie, mm-hmm. maybe a C plus, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go lower than that. I think B minus about. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give it a straight C. Okay. Because I think right it was mediocre. Yeah. I think it was mediocre, and because it didn't gain as much fame as like The Little Mermaid, I'm I think it's like C range for that. Yeah, I mean, okay, so here's a question, real quick. Mm-hmm. So like, using I'll say Little Mermaid is like an A. Okay. What What would you consider like a total F for Disney? Total F. Like just a complete like, oh, like if you had. To, if you had to rate them from like best to worst, what would be your movie for like the worst of Disney animation? We'll stick with animation. Um, for F. Um, Chicken Little. Think of my like Disney animation of like the like the official Disney animation. Um, my F is Home on the Range. Like, there's nothing about that movie that works. Mm. So like that, as long as it's better than Home on the Range. I should walk away from this pretty happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, that movie just killed 2D animation to the ground. <laughs> it did. And then the the more upsetting thing is that it killed 2D animation so badly that despite the fact that The Princess and the Frog is a masterpiece, mm-hmm. it did nothing because everything that you knew about 2D animation at that point was still like, yeah, but home on the range. Like, yeah because i didn't see princess and the frog until last year and it's skyrocketed into my top five disney easily. oh wow really it's so good the music is so good the animation's beautiful the story is really smart it's funny like princess and the frog i think that was on the list that you sent me and i almost wanted to lie and pretend that i didn't remember it just <laughs> as an excuse to rewatch it but you should try to find someone who hasn't watched princess and the frog in a bit for for the next one of these because that movie is really really fun and well, I, I think you watching. mistaked it for pocahontas which i'm sure brooke would just like yell at me for that one yeah. <laughs> but i would love to bring someone on for princess and the frog just for that reason yeah. just to interview them and i'll just be quiet because <laughs> yeah. it, it is very good and i mean brooke shamed me into seeing pocahontas this uh last year as well and I mean, I still, Pocahontas will never speak to me on the level that it speaks to her, but um, I did walk away going like, holy crap, this is deep. Like, it's a deep, beautiful movie, which I didn't remember it being as a kid. So that was one that, like, in my head was a C, and then I watched it, and I was like, no, this is a solid, like, B plus, A minus. Like, it'll never be in my top five, mm-hmm. but I respect the movie. Yeah. When I didn't before, I was like, ah, this is that movie that came out a beautiful movie it's so beautiful and the songs are strong and it's like hits like a little bit of controversial there like where it doesn't go too far i just think that if they didn't name it pocahontas and just named her something else it would have been great yeah i um 
I'm ashamed how long it took me to appreciate how beautiful the song Colors of the Wind actually is. Mm -hmm. it, it, like from the, not just the music, but the melody line, the lyrics, like everything about it is a song that I have not given it enough respect or attention for because it really is a beautiful song. I was driving, listening to a cover of it the other day. And I feel like there was this moment where in the song, she says, um, you think the only people that are people are the people that look and think like you. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like if that's not like the lyric that still exists in our lives today. <laughs> like it's, yeah. just, it's, it's a very heavy song and I love it for it. I mm -hmm. love that. It's such a heavy song while still being beautiful, like beautiful and sing-alongable, <laughs> which is a rare, it's a rare, it's rare as I will, as someone who wanted to write songs a as a kid and has like studied music, it is not easy to write something that is both powerful and catchy. You usually only get one or the other. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. Most of these songs, you just like, you don't even realize what they're saying and you're just yeah. like, oh, that's singable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like I love chandelier and I love listening to it and singing it in my car, but like, it's not the most powerful song in the world. It makes you feel powerful. Like it's got like that anthem vibe, but like, I don't know, I sit down and read the lyrics. I'm just kind of like, eh, all right. <laughs> yeah. No That's color true. in the wind. It's <laughs> like... no color in the wind. <laughs> well, we are going to take a break and go watch Oliver and Company. We will probably watch it in a couple days, but for you, it will be just a couple seconds. So we'll get back to you in a sec. Girl, we've got work to do. Pass me the paint and glue. Perfect isn't easy, but it's me. And we're back for the second part. Matt and I just watched Oliver and Company. And it's been about three days since the, the first interview. Yeah, and, that's about right. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. So I, I watched the movie on Friday, like okay. the day after we. So when did you watch it? Uh, I watched it Saturday night and I watched it pretty late Saturday night, which was definitely a mistake because I think the movie has a much stronger first half than it does a second half. So like the first like 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, this is this is fun. And then I was like, oh, this is why I don't watch this one as much as it kind of doesn't stick the landing that it starts with. Yeah, it, it definitely had such a slow ending and like all the music kind of just drops off. Yeah, it's all the songs are in the first like 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just reprises right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> that was so weird. It's very jar. And I think that like, I remember reading something that Disney doesn't like to play have any songs after the second act ends which like i get like it's supposed to be serious now like we don't need to like like we need to like wrap up all the the, the end of the movie but like when the movie's only 73 minutes long it's a lot more and the for some reason the second act ends about 30 minutes in it becomes very jarring <laughs> like, yeah um... but it it's good but it's definitely like I'm de I'm still not gonna. This is not gonna be like a yearly watch for me. Um, but I'll probably listen to the soundtrack. 
a lot. Yeah. The soundtrack was great. I, I did not expect that. I forgot Streets of Gold. Streets of Gold is a great song. That might yeah. be the best song in the movie, honestly. Oh, yeah. I was like, that is probably one of my favorite scenes by far is the Streets of Gold. Yeah. I was pretty close on the melody for uh, Good Company, though. I was proud of myself oh, yeah. how much I remember <laughs> that. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the the Bette Midler song, definitely the most forgettable of like the five songs that are in this movie. That's it's just true. not it's just not catchy like all the other ones are kind of catchy i i mean i'm still in like i know i'm the only person who's just like no seriously once upon a time in new york city it's great but like, <laughs> yeah. but like the bet miller song did nothing for me which hurts me because i love bet miller but yeah it, it just kind of felt forced i remember the animation like in the first part i remember that scene i just don't remember With the song <laughs> Yeah, with the curls. It like it's great animation. It's just it's a forgettable song and like Bette Midler doesn't seem like she put all her all into it. You you can definitely tell they were just searching for some kind of celebrities to put in there. That's why we got Billy Joel as um, Dodger. Yeah, who's just not he's not good as a voice actor. No. I still stand good about Hey, and we're not racist. Tito was the name of the yeah. uh, Chihuahua. I <laughs> Way got to go. Super, when, when he was out there, I'm like, come on, someone say his name so I can confirm this. Yeah, they <laughs> like, didn't say his name for a long time. I'm like, what is it? What is it? He is the best character still to me of the gang. Um, and and they know it. They give him all the funny lines. Like He is like the, the character that you're supposed to want to buy toys of and love. Mm-hmm. Um, we're Fagan. Fagan was his name. Not yes. I was I was going with Fezwig because of <laughs> because of Christmas story, but now it's it's Fagan, which I think is literally the name of the character in Oliver Twist. Yeah. So. I, I was actually looking at like just a quick synopsis of, of uh Oliver Twist and yeah, it's very loosely based off of yeah. the novel. Yeah, they don't follow the novel pretty closely. They just take characters' names. I'd be interested to know when Bed Midler became a part of this and also when that song was written because the song that she sings almost feels like it was like, oh, we got Bet Midler for this. Let's just like real quickly write a song that she can sing while we've got her. Like, yeah. like it doesn't have as much thought put into it as any of the other songs. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because even... She's not even like a main character and she doesn't really push any plot at all. Even though you said that she kind of had a hand in like things going downhill. Well, she kind of didn't either. Yeah, she also, she's kind of just there. Like the whole movie could have played out the same way if she wasn't in it at all. Yeah. All she did was say like, oh yeah, here's where Oliver sleeps. Go ahead and take him. Yeah. <laughs> like when they came in for the rescue mission. So like she's kind of a non-entity, but you know, Tito and her become a thing, which is interesting, I guess. Very short-lived, by the way, until Tito yeah. gets a bath. <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, we were worried about the racism of thinking that his character's name was Tito, but I think there's something way more offensive about his refusal to take a bath that Disney's got going on. Yeah. Not not a fan of that joke. 
Um, well, it could also like spin in a way that dogs don't like to take baths. My dog doesn't anyway. This is true. I haven't tried to bathe my dogs in a very long time because we just have like a a spot, like a, a hair salon directly behind us. So it's just like, mm -hmm. ah, we'll just take them there once a month. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it's funny because when we recorded the first half of this, I mean, obviously we were doing the introductions and everything. That was like a solid like hour and a half of recording. Yeah. And I was like, man, I don't know if we're going to get more than 20 minutes out of actually discussing this movie because it's, there's not a lot going on in it. No. <laughs> like, like even looking up fun facts and like interesting tidbits for it, it there was not a lot. It almost feels like a, it feels like a waste in a lot of ways because like there's so many good voice act like the actual cast for Oliver and Company is pretty impressive when you think of like how many Disney films up until this point never really had celebrities in it. Like the celebrities were like always minor. I felt like until like Robin Williams doing Aladdin, like I feel like that was like the big like okay well now we need big names to voice everybody yeah but like this one you had like joey lawrence you had billy joel you had bet miller you have dom deloise you have cheech marin like you have all these names and i just wish that the movie was better yeah <laughs> like, but it's not bad like i did enjoy it like i think that i went in this time with such low expectations that i walked away like yeah that was fun and it looks great like this is that prime 80s early 90s disney animation that i love yeah it i i, I couldn't agree more with you about that because it, it was just it was just fun yeah like i don't think i would watch it again just because well i have a little boy and i, I tend to like watch disney movies with him and he just he loves dogs he just did not like this movie whatsoever I'm going to steal an analogy that I got out of a book one time, but I love using this to describe something. And like, if you were to line up all of the Disney movies, like this one is so middle of the road that it's a perfect barometer for like, what is a good versus a bad movie? Cause it's like, if it's better than Oliver and company, it's a good movie. Yeah. But if it's worse than Oliver and company, it's a bad movie. And like Oliver and company is just that perfect middle. Like, it is the most middle Disney movie. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you there. <laughs> but man, I forgot that Sykes, like, like he dies hard. I know. I was just like, <laughs> I did a double take. And I was so like, did that just field. happen? He just gets hit by a train. It's literally like the cartoon version of dropping a piano on someone's head. Like, it's just, he gets hit by a train, and then there's flames. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like one half second he's there and oh my gosh i was i don't remember this from my childhood at all no like, I, I just remember the beginning and like everything started flooding back in the beginning and like streets of gold and like i knew the song again and everything and then towards the end i don't remember any of it I, it makes me wonder if i shut this off when I was a kid after the songs were over. Like I had seen it once all the way through and then every time, like I knew when the song stopped. So I was like, all right, time to put on something else. Yeah. Like, because it really, it is jarring how like half of this movie is so fun and good and the other half is just kind of there. And it's yeah. never like, it's never like painfully bad. It's just kind of there. Like it's a very, 
for something that's only 73 minutes, it felt so much longer. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's all I've got. I mean, do you you said that there's questions. Do you want to just move over to the questions? Well, there was some some tidbits that I thought okay. were interesting. Let's hit um, them. <laughs> like, okay, I don't know if this is true. It's the first musical since The Jungle Book and The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That might be... Hold on a second. I'm going to just check their wiki page real quick. Because I could see that being accurate because you had like Black Cauldron and and uh, stuff like that. But will we say this was the 27th Disney animated film? Yeah. I mean, I guess that would make sense. But I thought Aristocats was after Jungle Book. And I thought that was a musical. But maybe I'm confusing that with the um, the fun everybody wants to be a cat in the middle of it. Um. Yeah, because everybody wants to be a cat might be the only. I just rewatched that recently with my sister, and I'm so trying to remember. Only, if that's the only song, then it's probably not a musical, right? Yeah, I guess that doesn't count as a musical. So there's the Great Mouse Detective, which has a couple songs in it because it's got Radigan, was before this, and then Black Cauldron definitely doesn't have songs. Fox and the Hound has the Best of Friends song, but I don't think it has any other songs in it besides that. The Rescuers, I don't remember, but I know that they have at least one song about the, like, rescuing committee. Yeah. And then we have the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So, wow, it's true. Yeah. But, But there's a bit of a gap there because there's Jungle Book, then Aristocats, and then Robin Hood. And Robin Hood definitely... Is a musical because I watched that recently for Disney. Does like it's not, you know, a ton of songs, but certainly more than one. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess from Winnie the Pooh, I, I mean, I, I'd have to rewatch the Rescuers to confirm and Great Mouse Detective, but I think that both of them just have a song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Also, Oliver and Company was like the start of trying to bring disney films to once a year like uh well disney himself tried to do in the 40s yeah so that that started the renaissance but a lot of people argue if it's this movie's part of the dark ages or is it part of the renaissance era <laughs> i think it's a transition film um especially if you um from what i remember and they don't cover a lot of oliver and company in the uh, documentary waking sleeping beauty but it's definitely described as like the dark cauldron was the, the pinnacle of the dark ages. Like that movie happened and then Disney started doing all those live action movies like splash and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And great mouse detective was like them giving the artists a little bit more freedom. And I think that that's where like, I think like great mouse detective was, they could do whatever they wanted, but the, but Disney wanted them to do Oliver and company. Like it was like one of those like you guys can make your great mouse detective movie. We really want you to do this Oliver Twist movie with Billy Joel type thing. Like one was looked at as the marketable one, mm-hmm. and I think it was as the way the documentary really tells it. It's obviously it's told from the perspective of the animator, so there's a little bit of a bias there. Yeah, but it was basically just like they were just waiting for us to quit, and then we happened to make the Little Mermaid. <laughs> like oh, wow. is like their version of the story, like. They were putting us in an unworkable environment and like not really giving us funding and not really giving us a direction. So we just started doing whatever we wanted. And then we did Little Mermaid. And then they thought that that was just a fluke. And then we did 
you know, Beauty and the Beast, and then we did Aladdin, and then we did, like, it was just kind of like, so it's a, if you have a chance, I don't know if it's available for streaming anywhere, but Waking Sleeping Beauty, I mentioned it during our first interview too, is probably the best Disney documentary I've ever seen. Oh, it's very, yeah, it's very, very cool. And uh, Frank and Ollie, I also recommend to anyone who's looking for good Disney documentaries, um, especially that one's about the the start of Disney and the two last surviving animators, uh, Frank and Ollie, mm-hmm. and how they just were best friends into their 90s. And it's adorable and cute, but you also learn a lot about like what it was like to work for Walt Disney in the 40s. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here was another one, another first for Disney animation uh, with Oliver and Cuppy. It was uh, the first to include real-world advertised products. Okay. That's actually pretty think- cool. I kept seeing Coke around there. <laughs> but I guess there was like over 30 company logos throughout the whole film. And I guess, again, that fits into the timeline of if this was at the time where Disney got these more Hollywood executive people who were doing movies like Splash, where you need, like when you're doing those live action movies, you need those actual like corporate tie-ins. Yeah. I could absolutely see them throwing that towards Disney to bring down towards the animation department to bring down the cost because it is not cheap to make (laughs) a feature length 2d animated film looking (laughs) at those budgets yeah Yeah. um there's actually cameos in this i i've noticed some of them did you notice any of them cameos in other disney films i can't remember where i read it it may have been on imdb but i read that the um i just blanked on his name but the the owner of the dogs from 101 dalmatians is there roger yeah roger why i am so upset at myself i'm not remembering this <laughs> so i saw pongo uh yes pongo is okay <laughs> yeah. uh i saw peg from lady and the tramp okay and i saw trusty and jock from lady and the tramp as well Okay. They were like in in uh why should I worry? Sequence. That makes sense. I feel like because this was I I mean I'm fascinated by the idea of how Disney will like reuse old animated cells <laughs> like yeah. the like the Robin Hood Robin Hood's the the big one. When we watched Robin Hood, it was like oh my god, this is literally they just took character designs from Jungle Book and reused them. Aristocats so, is huge yeah. <laughs> at doing that too. <laughs> yeah, so it's like definitely one of those um I mean of course if you're gonna have to have an army of dogs like and you've got the cells laying around of Pongo and then bring them on in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was one more cameo that I didn't see at all, but um some websites claim that Aurora from Sleeping Beauty is in there somewhere. I didn't see it. I wasn't I, paying attention to, to to the humans, really. <laughs> I don't even know how you would, like... It's not like Belle walking around in Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how do you even explain yeah. Aurora just hanging out in 1988 New York? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, like, I, I didn't see it for myself, so maybe that's... I, I think that that... That one to me sounds like because there's only so many ways, especially in these old like the the Disney animation. There's only like so many ways to draw a a female character sometimes. Or I'm like, I'm sure it's just a female character 
that happen to have like the same hair color and maybe wearing similar clothes as Aurora and someone's just like, oh, clearly yeah. they threw Aurora in this. It's like, or it's just generic female drawing yeah. <laughs> with with blonde hair. Like, that. <laughs> uh also this film was supposed to be a continuation from the rescuers originally. Uh, that's why Jenny looks exactly like Penny from The Rescuers. That also makes sense. And I guess that they, I don't know why, was The Rescuers a hit? I don't know. Because uh, I don't know why they did Rescuers Down Under. Like, I love Rescuers Down Under, and I think it's the better of the movies. But, like, I just never understood why that sequel existed. And then to think that there was other attempts to make a sequel with this, like, was the rescuer secretly this huge financial success that I just never realized? I have no idea. It was before I was born, so I have no idea. Yeah, I got nothing. I'm just curious. That seems very strange to me that that there'd be multiple attempts to do a rescuer sequel. <laughs> yeah, that that blew me like away when when I read that. But when we were talking in the first half, I kept when you mentioned the little girl, I kept picturing Penny from the rescuers. I'm like, no, that can't be the same girl. And then, yeah, they look very similar. I, again, kept thinking of all dolls go to heaven while I watched this, like the, the Dom DeLuise voice. Like there's just so much that make me think of all dolls go to heaven, which is, you know, I love Disney, but all dolls go to heaven is definitely the superior movie. If it's this versus Oliver and company. And speaking of that, I had to look up when All Dogs Go to Heaven came out. And okay. It was actually one year and two days later. Okay, so it could have been a response to this. Yes. And but... then what was funny is that Walt Disney Studios kind of shot back like when they made All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, and that was a theatrical release. Yeah. Um, that was in 96. They re-released Oliver and Company. Oh, that's that's funny. <laughs> well, I mean, because Don Bluth, I keep referring to the same documentary, but they cover a little bit in, in Waking Sleeping Beauty that Don Bluth worked for Disney, got frustrated that they wouldn't listen to his ideas because he wanted to do Secret of Nim, mm. and they said no. So he just stole half of the animators and formed his own studio with Steven Spielberg backing it. So there was definitely a very real animosity between Don Bluth and disney and you know what like again love disney but the quality speaks for themselves the don bluth movies from the 90s are all really good still like american tale secret of nim all those go to heaven like they all hold up really 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 well oh yeah i'm i'm such a big fan of all of those well i think he was I think he was ahead of the curve that Disney didn't really get to until the 2000s of doing these movies that are definitely for kids, but tapping into much darker adult themes inside of them. Because mm-hmm. all three of those movies are very heavy cartoons for kids. Yeah. Like they tackle death head on. They tackle immigration and abandonment. And like, yeah. like it tackles some real heavy topics, but in like a cutesy, like, well, they're animals, so it's fine. <laughs> kind of way i remember being scarred by secret of the nymph yeah it's tough that's probably the one i've watched the least because when i was a kid it was really really freaky yeah 
Well, that's all I have for uh, fun facts. Do you have any anything else? Not really. Uh, the only thing that I remember from when I was looking at the IMDb trivia was the the Roger cameo thing, and even then, it, it vanished out of my brain until you were <laughs> like, "So, did you know there's cameos?" And I'm like, oh, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> So I'll go on to the questions. Some of them you already answered. It's good to just re re-ask those anyway. What is your favorite character now? Still Tito. Tito. Um, but I, I will say I also really enjoyed Fagin. Um, but I think that's just because I love Dom DeLuise. Yeah. So you throw his voice on anyone and I'm going to probably like it. Yeah. he. I, I think I agree with you. Like St- Tito stole the show. Yeah. Definitely. He stood out amongst everyone and like i said dodger and then once i heard billy joel start talking i'm like no yeah as a positively is absolutely a 40 year old guy trying to be cool yeah (laughs) like like there's there's never a moment where that line was cool um tito has like when oliver falls out of the ceiling he just keeps running around yelling gang war gang war (laughs) And it's like stuff like that where it's like that has to be like Cheech throwing in like his own little improv. Yeah. But it, he is so genuinely funny in this movie. I, I think he has more lines than Billy Joel did. Uh, I think because one of them is an actual actor. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think Disney knew what they were doing on that one. They're like, keep Billy Joel's dialogue to a minimum. <laughs> He's here to sing. And that is all. Yeah. My my character changed from Dodger to Francis. Oh, uh, Francis Bulldog. is pretty great. I, you I know what? I liked him. <laughs> I also, I almost forgot about this, actually. I can't even remember the character's name, because, again, most of this movie is pretty forgettable. But the um, the housekeeper who loves wrestling. Oh. <laughs> Man, okay. Yeah. Hold on. He's, deli- he's delightful, too, just in his, like, his little like side comments. Um, him and Fagan watching wrestling together was Winston. Winston. Winston yeah. and Fagan when they're watching wrestling together and they're just screaming at the TV and then the phone rings and he's like mid yell and then picks up the phone and it's just prim and proper with like, Hello, thank you for calling the Foxwood House or like whatever. <laughs> like, like, he's got great. some good moments. I I I definitely not my favorite character, but I want to give Winston a shout out because he is, uh, he's got some moments. And what is your least favorite character now? Probably Dodger. Um, just because like you said, he's, he's unexplainably aggressive <laughs> throughout <laughs> most of the movie. Yeah. And he's just not like nothing he says is very interesting. But like Bette Miller's character is also like we were saying earlier, if she was not in the movie, the film wouldn't be any different. Yeah. So one of those two, I'm two of the main characters. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, I think uh, I said Georgette before, and we didn't know her name at that point. But I think yeah. Sykes now. Yeah, I mean he's. I will give them this much. Sykes is a good, unlikable villain. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely not like a memorably unlikable villain, but he's definitely got no moral compass, which is nice. Yeah. (laughs) That's about it. Yeah. That, yeah, he, he just very evil looking. They drew him evil 
looking and then plus he has like no sympathy for anything so that that's why i'm just like yeah he's a pretty good villain for this this movie that i just yeah. don't like him <laughs> yeah, he's successful in what he's supposed to be as a character which is like the only reason why i wouldn't put him on my least favorite list is like he achieves what he's supposed to achieve but he's also not a very memorable villain yeah like at uh, all especially sandwiched between like you know, this movie sandwiched between, I think, Rescuers Down Under and Great Mouse Detective. And, like, neither one of those movies is particularly, like, in-your-face great. Or Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid may have came after this. I can't remember. But either way, he's sandwiched between, like, Radigan is a very good villain. Yeah. In Great Mouse Detective. You want to eat him. Yeah. And, like, Ursula is a very good villain in Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. And even if I'm wrong and it is Rescuers Down Under, like, the poacher is a very good... Vi- like, oh, yeah. like, he's just kind of like a... Uh, he's just a, a guy who collects debts. Like, he's just... Like, <laughs> he's just doing his job and yeah, his he's kids just like got a away. bookie. Like, he's just a bookie <laughs> who's not against kidnapping, is what he is. So, like... Perfect description for yeah. him. So, like, just not not on the same level as, like, some of the really vicious villains, but gets yeah. way more of a violent death than some of the other villains. Yeah. Probably the most violent death, I think. It's pretty up there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite scene, even though it's mediocre? Um, I I think the scene that I said where, where uh, Winston and Fagan are watching wrestling together towards the very end, I... I'd love a movie that's just like their friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I will say that the Once Upon a Time in New York City opening sequence still really works for me. I think it's a really great use of visuals and well a well-written song to explain the setting of what we're doing. And like, it just does all the things that I think it should do in an opening song like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so either the very beginning or the very end, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the only parts I like. <laughs> uh, I would have to say the Streets of Gold. That's a strong contender too. That that's just a really well done. I cannot believe that I forgot that that song existed because that is a really good song. It's a great song, and I can't believe they didn't use that for the sing along p- portion of that like VHS. <laughs> yeah, that's going on my Disney Spotify playlist for sure. <laughs> yeah. They should had should have had Rita sing a lot more than than Dodger. <laughs> Probably. They had an equal amount of songs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think this movie has a lesson? <laughs> I mean, if it does, it's like don't judge a book by its cover, I guess. But like most Disney movies are beating you in the face with a lesson. This one's yeah. just kind of like it's okay to be rich. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like, it, it's definitely not a very clear, if it's anything, it's just like, Hey, it's cool to be friends with people that are different than you. Like I, it's a very uncertain of itself message. If there is one. Yeah. That's why I asked that question because usually most of these, these films do have a lesson lesson. And usually like don't judge a book by its cover is the main one that Disney always rehashes in a way. But this one, this one was hard because it always, it, it, it changed a lot yeah. of what it was trying to teach people. And maybe it didn't really have a lesson to begin with. 
I just remembered actually while we were talking about that, there's one other scene that I want to mention as um, one of the scenes that I think actually stands out as a good sequence. And um, what's the little girl's name again? Uh, Jenny. Jenny. Jenny's interaction at the docks with Fagin, I really liked. Oh, yeah. Um, where he realizes, he immediately realizes that he's not stealing a cat from some rich hoity-toity owner, but a little girl. And like the shame and guilt where he's just like, it, you know, it's it's the the only time that a character makes a very genuine sacrifice is that Fagin knows like Sykes will probably kill him, mm-hmm. but he's not gonna he's not gonna hold this little girl's kitten hostage. Like it's it's probably why I also like Fagin as a character is that he's he's a layered character where he does things that aren't good. He's a thief, but he's just doing it to survive and otherwise. He has a really good heart inside of him. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I feel like that scene really does exemplify that aspect of him. Yeah. And like you said in the first part, he's a thief with a heart of gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fun, like, he's a charming guy. Like, I'd hang out with that dude. You know, like, if there was a dude yeah. like that in town who was just, like, really good dude, but he's just always down on his luck. And, like, yeah, okay, so maybe when he comes over, some stuff goes missing. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> But you know he's friendly. Yeah, I, I get that. That that is a really good scene. It, it's probably the only time we see like good character development in the whole film. Yeah, it's the only part where I feel like there's any aspect of morality in the characters, which is cool. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it's just kind of like, hey, it's colors, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, look, they're singing, they're dancing, yay! But <laughs> uh, so has your overall impression? of this movie changed since what you talked about in the first half? It maybe bumped up a little bit. I don't think it's the worst. It's certainly not the best. It's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely going to become one of those movies that either I'll just listen to the soundtrack and really never watch the movie, or it's only going to be watched when I'm like, Hey, I'm going to try to watch all of the Disney animated films this year or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be when I seek out watching. I think it'll always be an assignment. <laughs> yeah. To sit down and watch. Unfortunately, it's going to be like one of those that sits on the side. Yeah. I mean, it's just when there's so many, so many films that did this better. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that it's so dated because it's so 80s? I don't know. I, I guess. I'd have to think about it, but I guess it's so rare that Disney puts out an animated film that takes place at the time that the movie came out. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, so much of their stuff is either, you know, taking place in, like, you know, Sword in the Stone or stuff like that. Or or it's just in a complete fantasy world where, like, none of it really matters. But this is very definitively 1988 New York. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think I honestly I think it's just a bad script. I think it's like kind of it just feels like a rush job. The whole movie does. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what hurts it more because, like Wreck It Ralph, like a lot of those movies, a lot of the more modern movies that they're doing in Disney animation, I feel like are a little bit more tied into modern time in some loose way. And like I thought Ralph breaks the internet was brilliant and i think that that movie will 
continue to feel brilliant as the years go by because the movie's not about, hey, here's a, I mean, there's, let me stand by this. Yes, there's a lot of like, hey, here's some 80s jokes from like, or here's some like computer jokes for 2018. Like there's a lot of that reference point, but the central theme of the movie is still like what one character says to another character, which is your best friend doesn't have to always do want to do everything that you want to do. Yeah. And like, that's such a, like that speaks to me at 33, the same way that it spoke to my niece at 10. You know what I mean? So like, that's, that's a central theme that will always exist is that there's always going to be this point where you and your best friends go on different paths and your first instinct is going to be to think that you can't be friends with that person anymore or that you're going to feel this loss of a friendship when there isn't. That's just life. Like, as I, I, from my own experience, and I know this is tearing off from Oliver and company a little bit, but like my own experience is as I've done more and more podcasting and if I've gone and I've traveled and I'm, you know, working on a TV show right now and I'm doing all this stuff, all my friends are homebodies. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. they're, they're content to like spend the weekend sitting at home on the couch watching TV and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm traveling all the time and I don't get to see them as much doesn't mean that they are any less valuable to me or any less of a friend. But I can tell you that me in my 20s would have thought that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, so like I love, like Wreck-It Ralph has something to say. I think the problem is that Oliver and company doesn't have anything to say. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. That that's what I think makes it not work as well as others. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense because uh, that ongoing argument that for Alf breaks the internet is is going to be dated as soon as it comes out in theaters and all that stuff. But you hit on every single reason why it was a big hit and yeah. why it'll continue to be a classic and not thrown away like oliver and company yeah so yeah it's not it's i mean yes there's gonna but like some of the jokes in that movie are were dated to my niece you know like when he falls into the pit where there's like napster and like (laughs) all these like like instant messenger and all these forgotten aspects of the internet like my 10 year old niece didn't get that joke at all but i was dying (laughs) so like like, i think there's always going to be there's always going to be dated comedy. You know what I mean? Like most of the jokes in early Mel Brooks movies are super dated, but it doesn't mean that I'm still not going to laugh when I put on blazing saddles or, or young Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, but like, that's the problem. Like Oliver and company, it's not just as dated. It's just, it doesn't have anything to say. And most of it's not very funny. And minus like, like the songs are catchy, but there's not enough of them. So like, it doesn't have really a lot of things working for it, except for like three or four catchy songs. <laughs> That is so true. So now I hate to ask, what is your letter grade for this movie now? Um, I'll probably still stick with, I think I said it was like a C minus or a C. Like, I think it's probably right about there. It's, it's not bad. It's just not memorable. So probably like a, a C plus or a B minus. Like my opinion went up just a little bit, but Again, this is never going to be a top contender Disney film, ever. There's no generation that's going to discover this and be like, oh, man, we're really sleeping on Oliver and company. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I, I went and looked at the, the first part just to make sure, and you did a B-. minus. That was I did point. do a B-, minus. so my opinion still sticks. All right, then, yeah, B- minus is where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> so my letter grade ha- 
I, I wrote it down as soon as I watched the movie and it's, it's a C, just mediocre yeah. down the line. And the first part I had a C, so it did not change whatsoever. Um, like all the notes that we hit in in this, just it's not a good movie. It's not a great plot. It's It jumps around a lot. And the characters that we're supposed to pay attention to or just fall flat. And the characters that we do pay attention to are supposed to be like the side characters that nobody cares about. Yeah, they're barely in it. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's... Uh... It's not, hey, you know what? They can't win 100% of the time. Yeah. <laughs> they can't miss, all the winners. <laughs> yeah, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So they, they, <laughs> took, they took a shot. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, thank God Little Mermaid or, or Rescuers Down Under, one of those was after this. Is that yeah. much bigger step up? Yeah, you, you were just the step off point to Oliver and Company. I'm sorry. I would love it. Like, I don't even. I don't want a live action remake of this movie. I just want them to redo this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Reboot, please. Yeah, CGI, like, just do it. But it, it's like okay, just reuse Dom DeLuise's dialogue because he's no longer with us, and find someone else to voice Dodger, and then just like throw in a couple more songs and figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> like, like there's a good movie hidden in Oliver and Company. It just feels like I said, I, I think Rush job is the best way to describe it. It just feels like it was really rushed. Yeah. And I think I read somewhere that it, it was supposed to be grittier. Like they, they first tried to do a plot where there was Sykes was going to kidnap. And then the reason why Oliver was an orphan is that the two Dobermans was going to rip Oliver's family to shreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of glad they didn't go with that. Like, yeah. Like, it, it was supposed to be very, my, very dark. My complaint with this movie was not it wasn't gritty enough. <laughs> like, I know, but like that's where I, I wonder if they went too far with that, that this is what we got instead. I want so I wonder if an aspect of it would also be that I don't think I could be wrong, but I don't think the Great Mouse Detective did great. And that is a very dark movie. Like that and Black Cauldron were both such dark films mm -hmm. that I could see them pitching Oliver and Company in that direction and then being like, no, and just pulling off storyboards right off the wall and just being like, the remaining storyboards your guys are making this movie. Because it does feel like a movie that's missing pieces. So, like... <laughs> so we got that Sykes death instead. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is some pretty dark, gritty stuff right there. <laughs> Has no place in the rest of this movie, but <laughs> it's there. All right, so that will do it for us tonight. Thank you again, Matt, for coming on and joining me on this weird adventure of Oliver and Company. Yeah, but you know what? I'm, I, pro I don't even know when I would have rewatched this, so I'm glad that I got a chance to rewatch it. So thank you for, for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the movie <laughs> because <laughs> I would probably never watched it again, but I'm glad that I did. You have this podcast, so you never, if you ever even consider watching it, yeah. you can visit it and go like, oh yeah, that's how I felt about it. Never mind, I'll just put on Princess and the Frog again because it's such a good movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always Princess and the Frog. Always. Super underappreciated movie. <laughs> <laughs>
go check out Disneyto's podcast. And what was the other podcast that you have? Uh, I mean, I do horror movie night. That might not be for everybody, but uh, HMNpodcast.com. If you're a fan of offensive humor and or just horror movies, give us a listen. And uh, the big one is obviously Disneyto podcast. Uh, D-I-S-N-E-A-T-O, Disneyto podcast. Uh, just two friends getting drunk and talking Disney. And right. of course, I will I will leave all the links to everything down in the show notes. So, if you are interested in coming on to Once I Watched Disney, please email me at disflixandtidbits at gmail.com or get a hold of me on Twitter at disflixtidbit. I will send you a short list of films that I also haven't watched in a while to choose from so we are on the same page and then we can schedule a time to meet up. The Facebook group Disflix and Talk also has a running list to look over if you want to <clears throat> The Facebook group Disflix and Talk also has a running list to look over if you want to join. We talk Disney movies on there occasionally. Uh, so Thank you for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Disflix and Tidbits. If you could do me a favor and let me know how I'm doing by leaving a comment or a review on iTunes, it really helps me know what you, the listener, like or dislike and to also help the podcast reach more listeners. Until next time, I will leave you with a quote from Winnie the Pooh. We didn't realize we were making memories. We just knew we were having fun. Thank <laughs> you.